Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord God, how we need your help as we come to consider who you are. Please would you broaden our horizons that we might see more truly who you are and that that might shape how you'd have us approach you. We pray that in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Why? It's not fair. They're words that come pretty early on the lips of toddlers, aren't they? And then I guess at this time more than ever, they're words that we probably find ourselves saying as well. Why? Why is this pandemic hit the world? It doesn't feel fair. A few days back, we hit the the milestone of a million people worldwide infected. Why? It doesn't feel fair. Let me tell you about my friend Will. Will uh, is an assistant pastor at a church in Scotland. A month and a half ago, he, he got in touch with us to say that he and his wife had just had twin boys. We were delighted for them. A week later, we heard again from Will with the shocking news that he'd just been diagnosed with bowel cancer at pretty advanced stages. A week on, he sent me a WhatsApp message to say, please pray, our landlord's given us three months to move out of the house we're in. Just unbelievable timing. And I found myself thinking, why? It, it, it just doesn't feel fair. Well, those questions whirl around our mind at the moment. Why are you allowing this to happen, God? It, it just doesn't feel fair what's happening. As we come this morning to, uh, to look at this attribute of God's incomprehensibility, we'll see as we look at that uh, at least some things for us to consider together uh, as, uh, as we, to some extent, perhaps feel our faith under attack and, and wonder why is God letting this happen? It doesn't feel fair. So um, here, here's the, the roadmap for the way forward. We're, uh, we're going to think, as we consider God's incomprehensibility, we're going to think about uh, how that shapes how we think about God uh, and how we then should approach God. How we think about God and how we approach God. So firstly then, how, how does God being incomprehensible shape how we think about him? Well, what, what, what do we mean when we say uh, God's incomprehensible? Perhaps you've heard uh, the old joke of the minister, six days invisible, one day incomprehensible. When we say that God is incomprehensible, here, here's what we're, we're meaning. We mean that we cannot know God fully, but we can know him truly. We can't know God fully, but we can know him truly. Uh, let's think about the, the two parts of, of that statement. What, what do we mean when we say uh, we cannot know God fully? If you've got your Bibles open, do flip back to Job 11, the, the first of the two readings that we had. Uh, and in Job 11, we have three images put before us to help us to try and grapple with the, the mystery, that the hugeness of God. Look down at, at Job 11 and verse 7. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They're deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. You see the three images as, a, as we try to grapple with the, the mysteries of, of God, the, the heights of it are, are higher than the heavens, the, the depths are, are deeper than, than anything we can imagine and wider than this earth itself. 
See, Job wants us to see that, that God is not like us. We, we can't know him fully. There is, there is mystery to him. See, I wonder if, if here's our danger. I wonder if we sometimes think of God as a sort of greater version of, our, of ourselves. It's a, a bit like he's, he's a superhuman. Matthew Barrett was one of my lecturers at college. He lectured on doctrine. Sitting in one of his lectures gave me a taste of God's incomprehensibility. He's, uh, he wrote this in a book he's recently written called None Greater. God is not just a greater being than us, as if he were merely different in degree, a type of superhuman. No, this God is, is different in kind. He is a different type of being altogether. He is the creator, not the created. Not, not just a greater version of us. He is a different kind altogether. He is the creator. Flick on a, a few few chapters in Job to Job chapter 38, where God answers Job after Job's uh, and his friends have, have been speaking together, wondering why God would allow everything to be taken from Job. Job was a man who had everything, and within the space of a day, it was all taken from him. A servant comes and tells him his, his oxy and donkey, donkeys have, have been uh, taken away by raiding uh, by, uh, by tribes that have come in, uh, and stolen them off, sheep that have been uh, killed. And if that's not enough, all on the same day, a servant comes and tells him that a house has collapsed with all his children and all his, his sons and daughters. The house has collapsed and every one of them is, is dead. And, and Job and his friends grapple with why God would let that happen. Job 38, God answers Job and his friends. Look, look down at verse 4. God says to him, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Well, of course, nowhere. Was he? Because God is the creator and, and Job and none of us were there when he laid the earth's foundations. Verse 12, have you ever given orders to the morning or, or shown the dawn its place? Look, I can, I can barely order my family around, let alone order the sun up in the morning. No, God is, is completely other than us. We, we can't know him fully. He, he is the creator, the one who, who, who with his words speak, spoke the whole world into existence. C.S. Lewis uh, is great at helping our, our imaginations play with the things of God. And um, Isabel and I are, are using lockdown to try and read our way through the Chronicles of Narnia. We've, we've just got to, on Saturday, got to the end of The Magician's Nephew. There's a great bit in, in The Magician's Nephew where C.S. Lewis describes Aslan uh, creating, um, creating Narnia, uh, Aslan representing God. And it just helps our imaginations play with the idea of, of God, our creator, speaking with Aslan, singing the world into existence. Listen to this and just imagine what it would have been like to have been there when when God spoke his world into existence. The lion Aslan was pacing to and fro about that empty land and singing his new song. It was softer and more lilting than the song by which he'd called up the stars and the sun. A gentle, rippling music. And as he walked and sang, the valley grew green with grass. It spread out from the lion like a pool. It ran up the sides of the little hills like a wave. In a few minutes, it was creeping up the lower slopes of the distant mountains, making that young world every moment softer. The light wind could now be heard ruffling the grass. Soon there were other things besides grass. The higher slopes grew dark with heather. Patches of rougher and more bristling green appeared in the valley. Diggory did not know what they were until one began coming up quite close to him. It was a little spiky thing that threw out dozens of arms and 
covered these arms with green and grew larger at the rate of about an inch every two seconds. There were dozens of these things all round him. When they were nearly as tall as himself, he saw what they were. Trees, he explained. Imagine what it would have been like if we could have stood there as Diggory was and if we could see as God spoke the world into existence. God is completely other than us. Of course we, we can't know him fully. Now and in all eternity there will be never-ending Everest for us to climb as we just begin to touch the surface of, of what God is like. The, uh, the teacher Cornelius Van Til uh, would start off every one of his, his first lessons at the start of a new year by getting a whiteboard. And on that, let's just take that light off. Uh, and on that whiteboard, he would, uh, he would draw two circles. And Van Til would, would say to his students, there is something fundamental that, that you need to understand about the Christian worldview. That there is a clear distinction between God as creator and us as his creatures. There is a creature, a creator distinction. The creature, God, God cannot become the world and the world cannot become God. There is, there is a distinction between the two that is, that is fundamental to the Christian worldview. And so much of what we get wrong is when we, we think somehow that God becomes part of the, part of the world, what's called pantheism or panentheism. Perhaps you're, you're thinking as you, you look at this diagram, well, what about Jesus? How does Jesus fit into this creature-creator distinction? Well, that was, that was exactly what uh, a bunch of people wrestled with at the Council of Chalcedon in 451 AD. Without getting into the details, uh, let me just give you the headline. Do go away and read more on it if you want to. The headline that they came away with was saying that in Jesus, deity and humanity are not confused. And even in Jesus, the, the creator and the creature distinction remains. In Jesus, divinity and humanity, yes, are, are in, as intimately close together as they possibly can be. But even in him, the, the two are distinct. You see, if, if God is the creator, distinct and, uh, and other than us as creatures, then of course we, we can't know him fully. Of course we can't. But when we say God's incomprehensible, we're not saying we can't know him at all. We can't know him fully, but, 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 really important, we can know him truly. You see, God re reveals himself to us. The creator reveals himself to his creatures. John Calvin, the, the great reformer, put it like this. He said, we need to think of it as, uh, as it's like God accommodating himself to us. And he uses the, the image of, of parents lisping to their children. Maybe that makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. But if we consider that God our creator is completely other than us, then of course he's got to accommodate truth to us. We can't possibly grasp all of who he is. Think of, of what a mother does when uh, speaking to her little one. She speaks in ways that that little one might understand. Not in any way looking to deceive or lie, but speaking in ways that that young one might understand them. And that is what God does 
for us. He, he reveals himself in ways that we might understand. He accommodates himself to us that we might know him truly. And how does he reveal himself? Well, he reveals himself in, in two main ways, in, in creation and in, and in scripture. In creation, we see that God is our creator. In Romans 1.20, we, we read that, that as we look out on the world, it is, it is crystal clear to us that of God, we see God's eternal nature and his divine power. As we look at creation, we, we see those things of God. We, we see that God is our creator. I've been enjoying reading this great little book, Cool Facts for Kids. You know, they're not just cool facts for kids. They're cool facts for all of us. Uh, do you know, I, I love reading things about, about God's world and watching nature programs because they just give a taste of what a wonderful creator God we have. Here's some great little facts I was reading yesterday. Do you know, ants can carry 50 times their own weight. Golden orb, orb spiders make webs. Guess how big? Webs the size of tennis nets. Incredible. Uh, owls grow fungus on their feathers so they might glow in the dark. See, nature is God's glorious theatre. As we look out on it, we, we see what a great and wonderful and majestic creator God we have. God reveals himself in, in creation, but he also reveals himself in scripture. And there we see him not just as creator, but, but we see him as saviour. The one who, who stoops down into his creation and makes a way for us creatures to be able to come and relate to our God and creator as children. To come to him as, as sons and daughters and, and be in the family and be known by him and loved by him and treasured by him. God reveals himself truly to us as creators. We look at creation and a saviour, wonderfully a saviour, as we, we come to scripture and, and see in the Lord Jesus how he's made a way for us to be his people. So how then, how then should we think about God? Well, we can't know him fully. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God declares, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts? We can't know God fully, but we can know him truly as creator and saviour. So that's how we should think about the incomprehensible God. How then does that shape how we approach God? What, what should be our posture? Well, we, we've got to approach God with, with dependence. We, we need him, don't we? It's not like we can... Uh, just work out who God is. It's not as, as if you need to be smart enough to, to, to decipher him or go away and spend hours studying in, in a room on your own to work him out. Isn't that wonderfully freeing? That, that God reveals himself to us. There's nothing that, that we can do to work him out. Let me say to you, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and you don't yet know God as creator and, and saviour, then ask him to reveal himself to you. This coming week, as we go into Holy Week and, and look at the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, open up one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and, and ask that God would reveal himself to you, that you might see him as saviour. So approach with dependence. But approach, approach too with humility. Perhaps this is a word particularly for 
for those in the evangelical tribe, those who, who rightly, and, and it's a great thing, say we want to take the Bible seriously. Great, absolutely. But I wonder, wonder if underneath that there, there can be a lurking danger, a sort of a pride that says uh, we've got God nailed. And those that wouldn't call themselves evangelicals, well, they've, they've, they've not. We've got it nailed. Perhaps a particular danger for those that have done any studying. Woe to those who've spent three years at theological college. A pride that says, I've got God nailed. I, I know who he is. No, we, we can't know him fully. We, we need our creator to reveal himself to us. So, so come with humility, come with a, a willingness to be corrected, to get things wrong as we open up our Bibles and look again at, at who God is and what it is to be his people and how to live in his world. There are many, many more Everests for us still to climb and wrong turns will make on the way. That's going to shape how we speak to other Christians, isn't it? That will come together with humility. Asking that God would reveal himself truly to us, be willing to be corrected and changed. Approach with humility. Uh, approach with, with a wonder at the mysteries. Let me uh, tell you one of the low lights of um, the low points of my days of doing youth work. One now came up to me in the middle of a session and said to me, we're not looking at the cross again, are we? And my heart sank because I thought, what have I done that has made the cross something boring to you that you'd think, we're not looking at the cross again. But as I went away and, uh, and thought about it a bit more, I thought, I wonder if there's a there's something else going on here that's a danger for all of us, that we get to a point where we think, well, I've, I've got what's going on at the cross. I understand that at the cross, Jesus dies for my sin to, to bring me into relationship with God. Great, time to move on to the deeper stuff. As we, we approach Holy Week this coming, this, this week, Let's marvel at the mysteries of the cross. Think of it a little bit like a, a gem in your hand. As you hold a gem in your hand and you, you turn it and it, uh, it catches the light at different angles. There's, there's never ending ways to, to look at it, enjoy it and, and marvel at it. Think, think as we come this week to the last days and hours of Jesus, his resurrection, a little bit like a gem that we'll spend all our lives looking at, marvelling at, unending mysteries for us to enjoy together. Approach marvelling at the mysteries. And lastly, approach with a willingness to, to live with the mysteries. There's some things we'll never know the answer to. We might never know why uh, this pandemic has, has impacted the whole world in the way it has. I might never know. My friend Will might never know why uh, he's got bowel cancer. But God is God and I am not and, and his ways are, are not my ways. And his wisdom isn't just a greater version of mine and your wisdom, but it is wisdom of another kind. There will be things we never grasp. And that's OK. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are things that only God will know. But, but that verse goes on. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children there is much that God has revealed to us we we can know him truly it's not all mystery we can know him wonderfully as our saviour as we open up our bibles this coming week we see that so so gloriously as we follow Jesus into Jerusalem and watch in on his final days and hours
his cruel death and his glorious resurrection on Easter Sunday. We, we remember that, that God, our, our creator, our maker, is also our rescuer. He has made a way that we might come to him. So we can, we can live with some mystery. We can live with some mystery because we know that our incomprehensible God is, is for us. He loves us. We, his creatures, can incredibly come to him as our father. We can approach like a child approaches their dad who loves them to bits. Let's pray together. Lord, well, thank you that you are bigger and greater than our, our minds can possibly fathom. Please increasingly give us a bigger view of you. We thank you that we can't know you fully. We praise you too that we can know you truly. We can know you as creator and saviour. And we pray, please, that that would shape how we approach you. Would it shape how we approach you as we come into this most rich of weeks, as we look at the, the final days of the Lord Jesus? Please help us to, to approach you with dependence and humility and a willingness to marvel at the mysteries and live with those things that we may never know, will never know. In Jesus' name.